0: What's going on there, Warrior? It is Jeff here from WarriorLife.com and the Warlife Academy, and welcome to podcast episode number 456. Now, last week's show was the first of a three-part series where I'm sharing little secrets that I learned from my days in the infantry, and especially the years that I was a forward observer in the 10th Mountain Division for bugging out on foot if you're ever faced with a worst case forced evacuation scenario. Now last week I went over several features to look for in your bug out bag that can make or break your ability to travel any amount of distance comfortably. And this week I'm gonna be sharing with you my top 10 list for specific gear that very few civilians even know about. All meant to help you get to your destination when all you have to get you there are your leather personnel carriers. And I have some pretty cool stuff that you're gonna want to add to your bug out bag supplies. Now don't forget you can grab this week's free one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points that I'll be covering in this episode. And you'll find it in the loot locker section of our Warrior Life Academy, along with all the other cheat sheets, training manuals, audio programs, and more, all available absolutely free just by going to warriorlife.com slash loot. And now let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, what's going on there, Warrior? Jeff Anderson here at WarLife.com, WarLife Academy. And welcome to our second part in our three-part series on how soldiers prepare for long-haul hikes. Now, for survival purposes, what we're talking about here is your... If you actually have to go through a forced evacuation, and you have to put on your bug out bag and head on out in order to get to your plan B destination. So before we get started, just if you haven't seen last week's show, I'm going to quickly go over. Yes, I know you are not going to just throw on your bug out bag at the first sign of a hurricane and just start walking somewhere. But for every one of your plans, you have to have what we call in the military a pace plan. So it has to be your primary, your alternate, your contingency, and your emergency, because we know... Trust me, we know that whatever the best laid plan is, it is most likely going to go to hell in a handbasket very, very quickly. So you have to have a backup. So if you're in a forced evacuation, you have to leave your home. And you're on the way there to your plan B destination. Your vehicle breaks down or you hit that virtual parking lot in the highways and you just can't get off there. You can't find another way around. Ultimately, you're going to have to go to another form of transportation to keep going. The warrior never quits. The warrior never quits. So if your primary is to get in your vehicle and get to plan B, it works out great, wonderful. But if it doesn't, you have to have your alternate plan. Now for me, that's going to be some sort of other transportation, whether that is a bicycle, you might have a motorcycle, you might have a scooter, you might have an electric bike, but you have to have some other means of transportation so that if your vehicle does get caught up, you don't want to get trapped in there with everybody else. But eventually, you might have to get down where it's just you carrying your gear with you and your supplies in order to get to your plan B destination. Now, in last week's show, I went over the bug-out bag itself, your rucksack, your backpack, and all the features, the top 10 features that you need to look for in a backpack so that you can make it to your destination because most backpacks that are out there are not designed for actual hiking, and they're certainly not designed for survival purposes and hiking. Most of them are built built very cheaply nowadays. They're mass produced, and they're they're just they're not very good quality. So we went over the top things that you're going to need to know about choosing your bug out bag to make sure that it's specifically ready for you to be able to put it on your back and head off into the disaster zone. All right, this week what we're talking about is exactly what you should pack in your bag specifically for that trip? Specifically for putting your backpack on and if you are forced to walk, what are the things that you're going to need to be able to support you on your way from point A to point B? Now this is in no way going to cover all of the gear that you're going to want to have inside of your pack. These are just things that I've either learned from my experience being in light infantry and going on anywhere from uh, short walks to you know, about seven miles all the way up to 100 miles in a four-day time period. Even on missions or on training we were doing, we were walking everywhere. In light infantry, we're just we're basically walking everywhere, all right? And I've learned a lot along the way. And so what I'm going to go over with you today are the top 10. Actually, I thought of an 11th, so a top 11. But we're going to call it the top 10 things that you need to pack specifically for a long-haul hike. There are things that I have as a soldier, but there are also things that have been developed since I've gotten out of the military that I now have incorporated into my pack and supporting if I do have to actually go out on foot, all right? So let's go ahead and jump into the top 10 things you wanna pack right now inside of your bug out bag to support long haul hikes. So the first one is going to be socks. Now, when I say socks, I mean if you think you need five socks, carry 10 socks. You can never have enough socks. 10's gonna be overkill. You're not looking to be out there for, this isn't an inch bag, like you are gonna eventually come home, we're going to assume. So you don't need your whole wardrobe with you. But you are going to need extra socks. You're going to want to dry, have dry socks to be able to get into along the way. Because, and it always kills me, because people take better care of their vehicle than they do their feet <laughs> a lot of times, especially when it comes to long haul hiking. And so the enemies of you being able to actually go any distance with your, with your pack, when it comes to your feet, it's going to be friction and moisture. So you want to be able, you want to minimize both of those in order so that you don't get blisters and you don't have problems with your feet that are going to make it more painful for you to be able to walk, or you're just going to be, you're going to be locked up. um, You're going to have soft and wet feet. They're going to be, you're going to have infections. You're going to have fungus. You're going to have a whole bunch of things that are going to make it very, very difficult for you to reach your destination. So you want to have extra socks with you. Now, there have been some developments, and this is what I use now in the military, we were issued wool socks. And so wool is better than cotton because if you, if it is cold out, and when I was in 10th Mountain Division, we had 364 days of like eight feet of snow, and then we had a day of summer, and it was back into snow, it seemed like. But so wool will, even when it's wet, will still keep you warm, as opposed to cotton, which is going to make you much colder. Now, I will say that what I use now are compression socks with copper built into them. So this was something that I I mean, compression socks, I don't even know if we had them back when when I was in the military, but compression socks work by increasing circulation to your lower extremities. It keeps the blood flowing from your feet and your your calves and your ankles, and it pushes the blood back up so that it keeps the swelling down. So it's going to compress your calves mostly down at the ankle. It's like a graduated compression, and so it's going to help blood flow get down to where your feet are. So you're going to get more blood flow down there. It's going to also increase the oxygenation of your blood as it's pushing it back up. So it's kind of giving a boost to your circulatory system. And uh, so I like the compression socks for this purpose. Now with copper infused in them, and you'll see a a lot of athletes now are wearing copper infused, either they are sleeves that they put on or they are socks for circulation purposes. And the thing about the copper, and there's some scientific studies on this and there's you know some, conf- some conf- conflicting, but we do know that copper breaks down fungus and viruses and things like that. And so because your feet are going to be moist, because you are going to be sweating, you are going to be out there walking a good distance, you don't want to get athlete's foot. I've seen this happen so many times with soldiers where their feet stay wet and over time, the skin starts cracking, it starts uh, peeling off, they get fungus because they're not changing their socks enough and so you really wanna make sure to minimize your ability to get fungus or you wanna reduce that risk of getting fungus on your feet. Now the copper is going to help with that because it's going to break down those things. It basically disrupts the cells of fungi so that it can't grow. So I like the compression socks that have copper built into them. Now, the other thing, and we're focusing in on feet here, there's different kinds of, if you will, socks. So one is, again, friction is the enemy of your feet being able to make it. So one thing we would typically do, initially, we would use our Class A dress socks underneath our regular socks that we were wearing. So what that does is it creates, you have a very thin sock layer near your Feet right on the skin, and then you have your sock over top of that. And so, as you walk, there's friction in between the socks, but not as much with your sock and your skin. So, the reduction of that friction is going to mean that you're going to have less risk of getting blisters, which, trust me, that is going to be one of the biggest things you're going to worry about when you're long haul hiking here. So, a pair of dress socks underneath those regular socks is going to work out really well and we even have the uh, the Warrior Life dress socks here that you can get from our YouTube channel. So if you were watching this stream on YouTube, eh, you'll see a little bit of a swag swag catalog down there, and we even have dress socks. So you can be a warrior at work, and nobody will even know. The other thing here uh, is pantyhose, or as I like to call them, mandyhose. So same principle, it's only it's just much thinner. I'm in a, a hot climate here in Florida, so I want to keep down the layers as much as possible. I don't want my feet to sweat any more than they have to. So having a a pantyhose was something that we used to wear in the military because it would increase circulation. It would help you keep warmer also, but it was mostly for that friction. So if you get the full-size pantyhose or hose. And it's going all the way up your legs. What that does is it's going to reduce the friction between your clothes and your skin. We've seen guys that have just had uh, blisters on the inside of their thighs. It becomes horribly painful at the, the further and further you go on. So just like your layer of socks underneath your socks is going to help with the friction, the pantyhose will do the same thing. So you can use this in place of the dress socks if you want to. It'll also work on the friction with your pants and your legs as well. Especially if you have some extra weight and your thighs are pretty close to maybe touching one another, again, you're going to definitely want something that's going to reduce the friction there, OK? All right, so we've covered socks. Now here's something that I don't see a lot of people really putting in their bag. And this is a pair of water shoes, the kind that you would normally wear to the beach. They're very easy to, they're very compact. You can put these inside of one of your, your pouches on your bug out bag, keep it inside of there. There's a few reasons for this. So one, if you do come across any sort of water obstacles. Now it, in the military, it might be a little bit different. Maybe if you're long haul hiking, you're going to be on the road or you're going to be on trails, but you could at some point, whether you have to break contact from a threat that's out there, you find yourself having to go across country in order to get to a better, a better path to be able to get to plan your plan B destination. If you come across a water obstacle and you have to cross it, you don't want to do that in your primary shoes that you're wearing for hiking. If it's wet, you're going to be carrying more weight on your feet. It's going to increase the friction. Again, we said you want to reduce the amount of moisture as well. Well, wet shoes, wet boots are going to be a real problem for you. So being able to take those off, put your, your boots or your shoes inside of your pack, and then putting on a pair of water shoes are going to help you with that water crossing, especially if it's any sort of a stream where you, could, you need traction. You don't want to go across in bare feet. You might slip on a rock, but the water shoes are going to give you some traction so that you can avoid an injury. Twisting your ankle, that's going to hobble you and it's going to make transporting yourself a lot harder as well. So that works out very well. The other thing is that they're going to be much more comfortable when you do have downtime and you've either made camp for the day or night or whenever you have some downtime there, is you can take off those boots and put on something much more comfortable, let your feet breathe more, let your boots or your shoes dry out. So these are going to be really good for you as well. All right, so water shoes. Uh, Number three on the list here is to have some baby powder or something, some sort of foot powder that you can put on. And and in the third show, we're going to be going over tactics during the hike, during the road march, during the the evacuation that you're doing, this bug out evacuation. I'm going to talk to you specifically about advanced tactics that you can use during your hike. And one of those things is when you stop, you want to make sure that you dry out your feet. And so having powder, you want to every time that you stop, you're gonna to wanna to take off your shoes, you're gonna take off your socks, put some powder on, change out your socks. That's what's gonna help you keep your feet dry. And trust me, man, when you put those, when you put those back on, you put your socks back on, you put your shoes back on, to know that it's dry and you've got powder on there, it is just it is one of the best feelings. Like you're you're ready to go for that next leg of your journey there. So baby powder or some sort of foot powder is going to do you very good. Now, if you want to get also some sort of an antifungal, that's going to help you as well. So if you don't have copper-infused socks, you can get an antifungal powder. It's going to do the same thing as far as keeping moisture down, but it's also going to avoid any sort of uh, athlete's foot or any, any other fungus that's going to grow there in that wet environment that you have there. Now, along the way... Certainly, you are most likely going to have blisters if you're going any sort of a distance or if you're not used to walking for a long period of time or long distances. So tip number four here is to have some moleskin. Now, I used to carry a giant roll of this inside of my my rucksack when I was in the the military because I always wanted to have enough. My soldiers would always need it. Uh, They didn't always bring theirs, but you definitely want to have some moleskin, and there are there's specific ways to use the moleskin. You can find them online if you want to, but you definitely want to have some moleskin. If you start developing a blister, you can put it on before you get a blister, or if you've developed a blister, there are ways to put on the moleskin in two different layers so that you are protecting that blister where it's not hurting every step that you take. There, it'll protect it, allow it to heal a little bit better. So we have moleskin. All right, number five here is going to be. In the military, we just, it was known as, you know, we just know it as Motrin. And it seemed like it was the cure-all for anything. You go to the medic, you, you, have, a, you have athlete's foot, here's some Motrin. Uh, your back is hurting you, here's some Motrin. You have cancer, here's some Motrin. It doesn't matter what it is, it just seemed like Motrin was always the, the cure-all for everything. And when you're on the road, I mean, I can tell you, on the 100-mile road marches, I hate to say this, and I'm, trust me, you don't want to do this, but we, we didn't know any better back then, but we were popping Motrin like it was chiclets. And it kept the pain down. It is going to keep the pain down. Now, I say Motrin. Now, oh, the, other, the name for Motrin is ibuprofen. So that's the generic name for it. So as far as NSAIDs go, you're looking for ibuprofen, not acetaminophen. All right, so you're looking for either like Advil, Uh, I think Tylenol is is ibuprofen, but you're looking for ibuprofen. Now, the reason for that is it is going to to lessen the pain, so it's going to take care of muscle cramps, aches that you have, joint problems that you might have, back problems that you have. But the big thing about, uh, well, acetaminophen is going to reduce pain, but it's not going to reduce inflammation. Ibuprofen is designed to help reduce inflammation. You are going to have inflammation as you walk longer distances. Your feet are going to want to swell. Your calves are going to swell. Your whole body is going to, it's just like exercise, right? So you have inflammation when you exercise. You want to keep that inflammation down when you are going to be on the long haul hike. So having some Motrin readily available is going to be a must have, okay? All right. uh, The next one here is going to be number six, which is going to be, one of the things I talked about in having in, in choosing your bug out bag is that you wanted to make sure that you have a sleeve in there and that your bag is designed for in a water bladder inside of the pack with a water hose and an inline filter to be able to come out the top. So our, our bag has a hole on the top. It has a Velcro c- cover over it. So if you're watching online, you can see that the hose came out. I couldn't show this when I was showing the bag because I didn't want to pull everything out of it. But you can see that it just comes through here. Now I can tell you that when we were we were road marching, one of the biggest challenges was you know we've got our we've got our rifle, we have all these different all this different gear, and the the road march is not going to stop for you to take a drink. So you're fumbling around with your canteens, trying to trying to get to them. But with the water bladder, inside of there, we have a three-liter water bladder, it has an inline water filter, so you can any any place that you see water doesn't matter if it's just a, a duck pond doesn't matter what it is As long as there's no solvents in there. I mean the uh, our inline water filter takes care of ninety nine point nine percent of all Of the germs that would be coming in the water But with this you can just go ahead and open it up fill it up put it inside of your pack And then the hose comes out here, and you don't have to stop for drinking water so you're gonna have three liters of water. If you see other water, you can quickly stop, take it out, fill it back up, and know that you have clean water coming over out the hose here, and it's gonna it's gonna be purified. And I one that I like has a, a bite valve on it. So it's not gonna the water's not gonna be coming out just on its own. You can find that you just you just leaked all your water all over the place. But um, I definitely like the inline water filter for that. All right, so having a water bladder instead of canteens. That you can use for your water now to go along with that is going to be to have find it here is going to be in the front pouch of my bug out bag is going to be some hydration powder there's a lot of different types of hy- hydration powders out there so water I mean you you trust me you are going to you are going to need as much water as you, can, as you can possibly get to, which is why I say you definitely want to, you want to choose your routes where you can get to water, where you, can, where you can find it. I'll go over that here in just a little bit. Uh, but I can tell you that like on our 100-mile hundred hundred road marches, and people challenged me on this, but I'm telling you, we, 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 every year that we did a 100-mile road march, we gauged out what, how much water each person used, and it was five gallons a day. Now, we're marching 25 miles with a large rucksack. It's during the summertime. We have extra gear on us. It's it's at least 32 pounds. Ours was usually heavier heavier with comms gear and things like that in it. But you're going to need as much water as you possibly can. You need to stay hydrated. And so one of the benefits of these hydration powders is that they have electrolytes in them. So we used to see that if we were marching along by the, I mean, sometimes, usually by the second day or so, our BDUs were just, they were almost all white because of all the salt that was coming out of our bodies. We're sweating out salt, which is an electrolyte that your body needs, and you're just, you're getting rid of it. So unless you're replacing that, well, you're you're not gonna perform at peak performance. So the hydration powders have a combination of sodium in it, as well as potassium, which is gonna be another electrolyte that you're gonna need. And some of them also have uh, chloride in it, which is a bonder. It helps the sodium and the potassium work together to be able to hydrate you better. So electrolyte powder for your water is going to be very helpful also. Now, you're not going to be able to put this inside of your bladder. If, you've, if you're using an inline water filter, don't put it inside of the water bladder. It's going to filter all that stuff out of it. You just want to just put some in your mouth, take a drink, suck it all down, and that hydration powder is going to keep you better hydrated than just water alone. Now, along with that, we are going to go into uh, number eight, which is going to be snacks. I have some really good tips with you here for snacks for bugging out. So the first thing I'll say is you want to have something that's going to give you a lot of extra calories. So I recommend that you have some nuts in a front pouch that you can easily get to for your snacks. So the nuts are going to help because there's a lot of fat in them, and fat has more than twice as many calories as protein and carbohydrates do. So it's going to give you a a lot more calories. They are a slower burning calorie, so slower burning calorie than, than protein and Uh, Carbohydrates are going to be and you get the salted kind now you're replacing more electrolytes now if you have soap problems with salt adjust accordingly maybe get Nuts that are not salted because maybe the hydration powder that you have also has salt in it So you're gonna have to adjust that based upon your own diet But having some nuts readily available is going to be a great snack for you. The other thing that we had Was Jolly Ranchers I can tell you, I mean, this is, this is a, a staple for any infantryman is to have Jolly Ranchers. So it's going to give you sugar. You can have it as you're walking along. It's going to, so it's going to give you some calories just from the sugar inside of it. They last a long time. They don't, doesn't matter if it's hot out, cold out, and it will help take away the thoughts of pain. It kind of gives you this, you know, I mean, the sugar is going to give you some benefit just in, in what you're getting there from a... Uh, From the sugar, so it's just going to give you a little bit of an energy rush there. The other thing is Ranger pudding. So this is something we used to grab out of the MREs. Was some uh, the the cocoa mix? We just pull it open and then put some water inside of it. Now I like to put this thing on steroids. So here's what I do: take the take some some cocoa. Now you you definitely want to get like real cocoa that has real cocoa in it. It has serotonin in it. It's going to help with. Your, uh, your perception of fatigue it's going to keep your spirits up. And you're going to open up that, that cocoa. And what I do is I take some instant coffee, and I put the instant coffee in there as well. Put the instant coffee in, put in a little bit of water, and then put in this coconut oil. So now I use these to-go. So it's two go Coconut Oil, the number two. We actually have a discount coupon for these inside of the Loot Locker and Warrior Life Academy. So you can get that for free just by going to warriorlife.com slash loot. And they've given us, they've been very generous in giving us a coupon for the coconut oil. So you put this inside of there as well, it's going to give you some extra calories, so it's gonna have the fat in there that you're gonna be able to use. Also, with the MCT oil that's in the coconut oil, it's going to be, it's, that's real brain food. It's going to give you more mental clarity, more mental focus. You mix all that up with a little bit of water, take out my spork of doom, mix it all in there, and that's going to be a mood uplifter, but it's also gonna give you some calories as well. And the last snack that I'll share with you is nicotine lozenges now i'm not a smoker but this is something that i learned from a focus perspective is that nicotine has the ability to give you a it's a stimulant and a depressant at the same time so it's going to level off your nerves but it's also going to make you mentally more focused so if you have add like i do a nicotine lozenge is going to help out for like one or two hours of extra mental clarity all right Number nine is going to be communication equipment. So, all you need is a two-way radio. I like to have something that I can also put in my ear with a microphone on it. Now, you're gonna need to have communication. Now, with our units, sometimes we we had soldiers way up at the top, we needed communication between the front and the back. If we were having stragglers, we needed to know. If you somehow meet a threat and you've gotta break off from the rest of your team or your family, if everybody has comms, you can come back together instead of wandering the, the forest or wherever you're at to try and find each other again. Communication is always one of the most important things that you can absolutely have. So anytime that we stopped anywhere, you set up a perimeter, set up communications. That's what you do. It's like you, you've got to get communication. You might need backup, you might need to, you might want to split up and go a couple different directions because you're not sure of what's going to be the best the best path, so you might be able to communicate along the way with a two-way radio, but still stay within range of one another that you're going to be able to help one another out if you need to. All right, so communication communication equipment, critically important. All right, number 10 here on the list is going to be, you want to have a map and a compass. Now, I always have a wrist compass that I carry with me. I, land navigation, I always use a wrist compass instead of a lensatic compass. You might... Want to carry that, but I'm telling you, like those, those wrists, a good quality wrist compass is going to be a godsend for you. When it comes to a map, you don't know if your GPS is going to go down, you got to break out of your vehicle. Now it's just you on foot, and maybe you're not going to be able to go along the roads. Maybe you have to go across country. And so you're going to need a map with you. So I always have maps in between my point A and my point B, so my home, and where our destination is if we are forced to evacuate. Now what I like for this is the gazetteer maps. So you can get these at Amazon, you can get them at different stores, but a gazetteer map is a combination between a road map that you're used to seeing and a road atlas, and a topographical map. So it will have topography on there. It'll show where water is. It'll show all the roads that are on there. But this is going to be, it's going to give you the best of both worlds there. So if you do come up to another road, on a topographical map, you might not have the names of those roads on there. But on a gazetteer map, you come to a road, you see a sign, you're going to know where you are. You can find yourself on the map that way. If you are not near any roads, you can look out there. You might be able to triangulate your position so that you know where you're at. You always wanna know where you're at. So your your, your map should always be readily available and you should always know where you are on that map. Always, at all times, all right? So, map and compass is number 10. And finally, we come to the bonus one here, which is number 11, which is a poncho. Now, we always had wet weather gear with us in the military and I will tell you that it's pretty bulky. So it's going to take up a big part of your pack. You don't need something that's going to be tops and bottoms. If you can carry it, that's great. But just one of these little ponchos is going to help you. So if it does start raining and you're you're going to keep going, you need to make sure that your clothes don't get all wet. It's going to increase your risk of getting blisters. You're going to be miserable. Again, we want to keep your spirits as high as possible. So you're going to be miserable. Um, You want to stay dry. And just a very inexpensive one of those like pullover ponchos with the hood on it You just put this over top of you, over top of your gears, just put it right over top of everything. You can still carry your your bug out bag on your back, just pull this out of your front pouch, put it over top of you, put the hood on you, keep yourself dry, and just keep marching along. So again, super cheap, very compact, doesn't weigh anything. And it's going to help you out a lot if you absolutely need it, all right? All right, so those are my top 10 plus one of the gear that you want to use to be able to support yourself on this long-haul hike, all right? Now, I want to hear from you. What are some things that, especially if you're a soldier out there and you've, you've done road marches before, you've with, uh, marched with your rucksack, what were some of the tricks that you learned along the way, like I did, the hard way, of some things that you can do to support that that hike, if you will, that long-haul hike, if you are forced to bug out. So please go ahead and leave us a comment if you are listening to us on the podcast. You can go over to our website at warriorlife.com and there's a podcast section there or you can go to warriorlifepodcast.com and it'll take you over there as well. If you're watching us on one of the social media streaming channels, Facebooks, on the, uh, on the YouTubes, go ahead and please leave a comment there. I will read these, might not be able to get back to you there, but we might put together a, a follow-up to this and if we include your tip, we will reach out to you and send you out a nice little thank you gift for bringing up your tip as well. All right. So looking forward to hearing what you have to support your forced bug out worst case scenario with your bug out bag. And until our next show, this is Jeff Anderson saying live like a warrior Train, survive.